It's time for Talking Pictures Trivia. A quick friendly reminder, electrons actually flow from the negative terminal of a battery. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me as always is... Um, Additionally, joining us as guests this week are Kevin and KJ. Thanks for joining us. You may remember Kevin from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and our Talking Trivia Trivia series. KJ may also sound familiar as he's been on a majority of our episodes. Kevin and KJ still conveniently like movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, And in round two, each question is worth two points. Then once the fierce competition is over, we follow up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Today, we're going back to 2015 in Iceland. Bjork releases her eighth album, Vulnupria. The volcano Hulahran finally stopped spewing into the sky, and Iceland stopped following daylight savings. During all this, Grimer Hakonarsson's movie Rams was released in theaters alongside Z for Zachariah, Chasing Robert Parker, and The Shamer's Daughter. Rams takes place in Iceland in a remote valley where the main industry is herding sheep. And we zoom in on a farm lived in by brothers Gumi and Kitty. They have lived there since they were children, but they're no longer speaking. They haven't spoken for 40 years. And what has happened is a disease has come into the farm, Scrapey, which is a neurological disease that has no cure. And it's easily spread. And so the veterinary services of Iceland have decided to basically get rid of all the sheep and all the rams. And it is the center of this valley's life, of their culture, of their pride, and all of it is taken away. They're all killed. Um, Gumi, however, hides some sheep and a ram underneath his house and the cellar beneath his house. And he spends his time there trying to make sure no one learns about it and kind of isolating himself more and more. Meanwhile, Kitty, his brother, we see from afar is slowly dissolving into what looks to be alcoholism. He's not being, he's not able to live with the loss. And the movie follows that conflict. Nick, if you had only one word to describe Rams, what would it be? Bah. KJ? Bah. Kevin? Bah. And my word would be bah. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, Nick, I had to hop on. It was, it was too good not to. <laughs> and that concludes today's episode. <laughs> we're a little punchy (laughs) and then on a high note it's time for question one how do the brothers communicate with one another locked in locked in locked in all right kj you locked in last you go first they give notes to somi the dog and somi seems to know how to bring the note to the other brother all right, Kevin, you have, we're up next. Uh, I was going to say the dog. I didn't quite remember the name Somi until KJ uh, brought it up. But yeah, same exact answer as KJ. Uh, if you want to subtract out the dog's name, I think that's probably fair. Okay. And Nick, what do you have? Yes, notes, handwritten notes that were then given to the dog, and the dog would bring it to the other person. Points for everyone. We're going to be doing that joke a lot today, folks. <laughs> so strap in. Uh, so I brought this question up just to introduce our our main characters and our initial conflict, um, the the kind of problem that that predates the start of the film. 
Um, and so what do we think of that? What do we think of this, this conflict between the brothers? I think it's funny that they live on the same property. It's not like they're even on opposite ends of the valley, but they have to live in a very small area on a regular basis. And I can't imagine not speaking to someone for like a week, let alone 40 years. And even when they go into town to have the Ram competition or whatever, one opens the gate and the other guy just flies through it. You know, like it's just very close quarters to be um, isolating yourself. Yeah, and it feels like a, a story as old as time, right? But we don't know what the conflict is, right? We never learn what the actual um, conflict is, uh, Gumi, the, the main guy, I think is right to be afraid of his brother, right? His, his brother is surprisingly violent and, um, offensive. I don't even know the right word to describe that shotgun. Yeah. The, the brother is, um, Kitty is definitely, uh, more unstable and seems like he always has been based upon that will situation in which Gumi is basically responsible for everything. I was going to say, we do understand, we do find out the conflict. The conflict was the- What is the conflict? Gumi is the one who inherited all the property. I feel like I feel like the conflict predates that though. Like, uh, I feel like, you know, everyone kind of knew that Kitty was sort of like the the uh, the black sheep of the family, if you but will. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think, uh, I think Gumi sort of always was expected to take over the farm, but I think you don't really know why. Well, okay, maybe I was reading between the lines, but they were saying, they were alluding to the fact that he has been like this before, but not for a long time. So I think he was in his youth with his other demons battling alcoholism. And that's probably why he was out of favor with the father. Now, again, I'm writing a little bit in there, but there was evidence saying that he was troubled and that Gumi was the one that they could count on. And I think that's where that conflict came from. Yeah, that's that's how I read it too. I don't know if that's where the specific break, why they don't talk to each other anymore, came from. Um, I, I don't know if we learn that. And I, I think that's kind of purposeful, right? Because the, as you said, KJ, it has this sort of ageless quality, right? The, these are people who don't speak anymore. And the fact that the source of the, the conflict has been lost <laughs> indicates the the kind of depth of their involvement in in this valley and in this this place. Um, there are conflicts here between people that are so old, no one can remember how they started. How old do you th do you guys think that uh, these guys are? Because I was watching the movie, I thought maybe like mid sixties, something like that. And for them to have not talked for forty years, you're talking about a you know, possibly a youthful indiscretion that has, yeah, that has early twenties. That's yeah. Kevin, I, I had the same assumption that this thing goes back to that period. Yeah. It goes back for, I mean, they say they've, it goes back 40 years. Uh, um, oh yeah. He's in his sixties now. So during this, when this movie was made, he was 60, the, the main star. We're not even going to try to say that name, but um yeah, so, oh God, he looks a lot older than that. So yeah, if it's going back 40 years, it would be in their early 20s. You know, I get the impression that uh, Kitty is the older brother. Um, so I think he was expecting to inherit the farm and was particularly peeved that he didn't because he felt like it was his right as the older brother. I got that vibe too. I don't know if they spelled that out for us, but maybe because it was just his stature I don't know. Like he was this bigger, burlier guy. <laughs> Balder. So, but he's also more childlike. That was that's. I thought Gumi was was the older one because um, Kitty does everything he does is kind of almost like little boyish, right? Even when he's doing something noble or good, he does it with a sort of enthusiasm that that's very kind of childlike. Um, and the, and his violent episodes are childlike too. They're kind of without thought of responsibility. Without thought of consequence, rather. Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I, I had assumed Gumi was the older one um, because of how immature Kitty did seem while doing these things. Even when he's got the shotgun and everything, it, it's it's not too different than a Saturday morning cartoon, right? You can almost hear the whoa, 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 as the windows breaking. And as the as the youngest brother, I want to make sure we don't confuse young with immature. They are two two separate things. It's possible for older people to be much 
much more immature than the younger person. Agreed. Yeah, but you always, you always, I, I always get the impression he's younger for those reasons, right? Um, <laughs> well, not Kevin saying like that's not a good prejudice to have, Tom. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a good prejudice to. Have. Yeah, I, I realize that. Um, but you don't have it. I don't have anything else to go right, on, right? Right. right. You Just know what I mean? Prejudice. That's so you have to work on. Yeah, yeah. You have to work on what they, yeah, what they give and, you. Like I, I is, thought, you know, I, I thought that uh, Kitty seemed like especially resentful because he felt like he deserved the farm. Like I, I got that impression that he felt like he deserved it. And given his behavior, clearly it doesn't. So what else would he possibly have to go on that would make him think he deserves it other than his age? Yeah. Well, I will say this about Kitty. He, as far as we could tell, does when he has the sheeps and the rams use the farm responsibly. Right, we get the impression that he he is an award winning ram. Um, the farm seems to be functional when, when he's doing it. I, I get the impression that what holds him together is the farm, and that he was a, he was maybe not as proficient as or, or as uh, neat as Gumi, but that he did that job well. Yeah, I agree. He won the contest, right? He didn't just yeah. beat Gumi; he beat every other ram farmer in the valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you also get the impression too from later and when once the discovery of the sheep is revealed to Kitty that uh that this is something sacred, that his brother has managed to preserve something sacred. And, you know, I I get the impression this is not a man who, despite his obvious faults, uh disrespect the sacred. At at the same time, you know, uh when he says like, hey, this matters to me. Gumi was like, yeah, bullcrap it does. I, I get the feeling that his, maybe I'm reading too far into it and, and creating a headcanon that doesn't exist, but um, I, I feel like that tells me that he screwed up something with the farm. He did something that maybe harmed the animals or harmed the farm or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he cried wolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for question two. What is Gumi doing when the vet comes to tell him about the scraby? Locked in. I'm going to say locked in just because I don't want to go first. <laughs> Good strategy. Ah, there's not that many sets in this movie. So he's either in the house or he's with the Rams. I imagine he's with the Rams. Why do I? I'm picturing somebody whittling wood, but I don't know if that was Gumi. Ah, all right, locked in. All right, KJ, what do you have? Is he cleaning the the rams, cleaning their horns, cleaning the rams? That's what okay. I got. Uh, Kevin, what do you have? Uh, I I remember him taking a bath and somebody showing up while he was taking a bath. I'm I'm not sure if this is uh, the right scene, but I'm gonna say taking a bath. Okay, Nick, what do you have? I locked in with. Cutting his toenails with oh. a paper scissor. Yes. Okay. And Nick gets the point. Very good. <laughs> I got concerned there with the bath one, though. I was like, oh, wait, am I in the wrong scene? Uh, <laughs> but I was not sure that was it. Uh, and I brought this up because, well, <laughs> um, a, a few things. The introduction, so a few, I will tie together the introduction of the tragedy. Right, which this is the point where we learn the the thing is going to shift to shift to crap, um, but also the myriad shots of the everyday that kind of occupy Gumi's life. There's a lot of just shots of him doing the the things of living, not just herding goats and rams, but you know, cooking or cleaning or, or what have you. Um, and I just want to talk about those two things, the, the tragedy and the everyday shots and how they're they're working together, or if you want to pick one out and talk about it. It just seems like such a lonely existence. And he's completely content with it. And the ram and the sheep are his children, and he really cares about them. But from an outside perspective, very modest accommodations. They've been, I'm sure... It looks like that now, and it probably looked like that 40 years ago when their feud started. So it's just, uh, 
I'll say it's not the lifestyle for me, but it seems to be suiting him fine. Yeah, I, I get the distinct impression that, you know, it, it's a lonely existence that he chooses, um, you know, because the one guy comes over and he gives him some food and, and says like, hey, how about some coffee or, or uh, you know, how about a drink or whatever? And he's just like, nope. Uh, so I, guess I agree with your sentiment, but I think he did that because he was afraid they were going to find out about the sheep. Well, but well sure. I do sure. agree with your, but your I, sentiment. I, but I think, I think it was not that far out of character for him. I think like the guy was like, eh, maybe this is a little off, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of gooming, you know? <laughs> right. He wasn't suspicious. Yeah, you're right. It's a bleak movie, right? Everything bleak, the plot, the colors, the characters, the the cadence of the dialogue, I, you know, I, I don't speak Icelandic. I don't know what you know. I don't know what they're saying, but the the way that flowed, the facial expressions, the way the camera held on things, it 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 just seemed like the cameraman and the editor were tired, you know, as, as they're putting this movie together, um, and that everyday life, those shots, I think, added to that bleakness, right? We it, there wasn't anything exciting. It was all very mellow. It was all very flat. Um, and it was beautiful in that way. Mm -hmm. It's it's a tragic vision, and it's it's a tragic vision not just because it's tragic what happens, you know, our main character dies probably, um, but it, it's also does he 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 might I I kind of read it that he did, but you know I he's he ain't doing too well at the end. We could say that definitively. Yes, they're in dire straits. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it is the death of a way of life. It's the death of a tradition and a culture, right? And so the 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 bleakness of the everyday is, I think kind of extra bleak, not only because there's this tragic thing that's going on and this threat of tragedy, um, but it's also kind of already happened. And so you're seeing these people live their everyday normal existence, which is no longer going to be possible for much longer. Right, as as kind of simple and you know commonplace as like cutting your toenails is and going out to the barn and, and all that stuff. Like, this is not going to happen much longer after this. You see that with the one family who decides to take the money and run because they said we weren't really doing too well before this, and we have to wait how many years in order to try all over again. So, yeah, you, you, there's probably a, more of that than what was just explored in the movie mm -hmm. if this was a real setting all right at the end of round one who's in the lead oh my god it's nick with two points ah. and right behind him ah. yeah. uh, <laughs> i can't do a sheep uh, <laughs> and right behind him are the kevins with a point apiece we will have a lovely word from our wonderful sponsor KJ here from Talking Pictures Trivia, and I'd like to tell you about another of my favorite podcasts, Potato Potato Spudcast. In Potato Potato Spudcast, the crew explores different underground vegetables to get to the root of these delectables. Here's a quick sample. And um, how, 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 do you guys, how, how do you guys count your potatoes? How, how do you count your potatoes? Well, there's only one way to count potatoes. One potato, two potato, three potato, four. Hey, but what, 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 what if you have, what if you have more than, what if you have more than four potatoes? What do you do with there's more than four? Well, I, I've never had more than four potatoes. So how, how many potatoes can you possibly have? I mean, what, how many potatoes are there? Four potatoes should be plenty for, for, for anybody. And we're back. This goes out to both our guests. If you could watch Rams with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Kevin, how about you start us up? I just feel like I have to stick with the Iceland theme and go with uh, Leif Erikson. You know, I feel like I feel like he would have to be, you know, he would have to be. He uh, would be so freaked out. He wouldn't survive that. <laughs> he would be relatable, you know. He'd be like, yeah, you know, you got to kill your sheep sometimes. You know? <laughs> or somebody else's, depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or everybody. You know? <laughs> They're all sheep. <laughs> I bet he can't do a bah noise either. KJ, how about you? The obvious answer is with the sheep, right? We want to gather all the sheep and watch it with the sheep, but I'm not going with that. Um, I thought a great way to watch this movie would be if you were on a winter trip, like a ski trip or just 
some kind of winter trip where you're in a cabin, you were outside all day in the, in the snow and the sun, um, having a great day, but you're cold. You come back to the cabin, you're with all your friends and you know, you're in an Airbnb and they got a bunch of DVDs or something you're like, Oh, which one should we watch? Uh, blast from the past again. And you see Rams, you don't know what it is. You put it in. So I'd love to watch this with a bunch of friends. We didn't know what it was. We're kind of tired from the day, kind of sick of each other. And now we're watching this bleak, you know, completely flat movie with uh, a nice warm drink of some kind and all just completely surprised and amazed at uh, the DVD that came off the shelf. I think that would be my ideal watching experience. I like that you think the default answer would be to watch it with all the sheep. No one else thinks that that would be the <laughs> default answer. <laughs> Am I wrong here? So, Tom, you yeah. have a dog. My dog doesn't watch TV. Does your dog watch TV? Can sheep no. see TV? What are the what's the the sheep's um, refresh rate on their eye? I don't they, know. Yeah, can they consume? <laughs> I've never even thought to care. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, I care because I'm I'm with you. The dog, my dog, can't watch television. I don't know if he can't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Does, nope. Yep. Even if there's a dog jumping on the television, you know. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So my, I my dog will will watch dogs. And that's oh really? About all oh really? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I can't get that to happen. Yeah. And she must know where the speakers are too, because if a dog's barking but it's coming from the TV, it doesn't phase her one bit. I don't know how they do that either. So I I, I don't know if the sheep would get excited every time the sheep got on the screen. You know, I don't. <laughs> Probably be pretty upset about the homicidal maniac. Well, hopefully they don't understand (laughs) the movie. (laughs) Scrappy, like they're all nervous about. This sounds like an interesting B side experiment. (laughs) It's time for question three. What is the name of the last ram? Locked in. Locked in. Oh, guest privilege. Locked in. Okay. Uh, KJ, what do you got? So when it came up on the screen, I said, write this down because somebody's going to ask this. And I didn't write it down. So I'm going to go with Somi, the dog, and hope that I just got confused and Somi was the sheep's name and not the dog's name. Somi. Okay. Uh, Nick, what do you have? Okay. I think... I think it's something like Gerper or Garper. 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 No, no, no. Something like that. Gonna try a few more times. (laughs) It's like Garper. Garper. Okay. And Kevin, what do you have? Uh, It definitely starts with a G R U. I think there's a, I think it's like G R U. P-U-R or something like that, like Gripper. Gripper! Yeah. Uh, I think I think Nick is, is pretty on it, to be honest. All right. So no points for anyone. It's Gaspar. It's what is Gripper. It? It's, it's Gaspar. Who the G-A-S-P-A-R. hell's Gripper? I don't know who Gripper is. There's an S in there? No, I, maybe I just forgot the S. Gaspar. It's Gaspar. Yeah. Ah, so close. I was, kind actually. Of. Yeah. <laughs> So no score change there. Um, so I want to talk about the relationship between them, the sheep, and the rams, namely Gumi and the rams, the sheep, or the, the that town, that valley's relationship with these animals, uh, you know, especially considering that Gaspar is the last sheep of his kind, last ram of his kind, excuse me. So the movie starts and it's kind of light and kind of funny and you're starting to get into it. And then the scene where he has to slaughter all the the rams, it was a tough watch, right? Like he, yeah, he's extremely sad. You, you start to now get it like, oh, no, no, these aren't just a commodity. These are the people's way of life. They are extremely connected to these animals. Mm-hmm. Tom, will there be another question regarding the amount of animals? No. So you can you can tell us the the bizarrely Italian subtitle if you'd like. Oh, I don't know about the bizarrely Italian subtitle. <laughs> I was just gonna say he killed 147 sheep. Oh, okay. The, the subtitle of this is um two it's uh Rams and in Italian it's two brothers and eight sheep. And I have no idea why it's in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Where, like, but anyway did you see this on a poster where did you see this 
No, in the movie, on the first frame that introduces the title. It has in Italian. Now, I don't know if it's just our super legal edition <laughs> is, has that on there, um, but it says in Italian, two brothers and eight sheep. <laughs> Maybe there's eight at the end. There's eight at the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I didn't know why the, it was in Italian. The yeah. third um, <laughs> huh. um, but I was just saying... On a more relevant note, <laughs> how many sheep he had to actually go through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that scene, to get back to KJ's point, that scene is heartbreaking. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of sheep. That's why we were 147 and he was able to save eight. But that was all smokescreen just to save the eight. Did he actually only kill 139? Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. Because they had the bodies for 147. Yeah. That's... They removed them. That's what I was thinking too. So it's it's yeah. probably actually 155, right? That yes. he has, and he just that reports. was the other subtitle. And it was in different language than Italian. <laughs> it said, by the way, it would have been 155 minus 147 equals eight sheep left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone know 155 in Hindi? I feel like that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I the the sheep are interesting too because with this family line what we learn in the um in the contest is that this is a particularly important family right we get the lineage of the sheep do you remember you guys remember that it was uh the sheep's parents the ram's parents the winning ram um we learn their parents it's like loki and uh, loki and sturlar from Bolstad, from the Bolstad Valley. Well, I was going to say Bolstad, which they kept said, these are the last of the Bolstads. Yeah. So of the breed, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So these things have a lineage. So they, they're kind of a little bit of the royalty of the Rams, because I believe those Rams are brothers. The, the Rams of Gumi and Kitty are, if not brothers, they're related. They're part but of But don't forget, same. they both place in the competition. So yeah. only one non-Bolstad ram even made the cut to be on the dais yeah but they have a they have a lineage they're they're sort of kind of more of the royalty because if you think like like a great tragic vision you know it's usually about royalty who dies right uh and that's that's not this these are commoners um but who's the person with the lineage in it? It's, it's not a person at all it's these sheep and so it's this it's this kind of weird sense of um you know, the, the tragic has come for this kind of like older traditional thing. And what is it? It's these, you know, it's the thing with the lineage, the thing with the history is the animals themselves. Well, yeah, I, I think it, I think the, the lineage of the animals mirrors the lineage of the, of the brother, the actual human brothers too. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the comparison that you're drawing throughout the movie is you're, you're thinking about these uh, rams. So I think, I think you're right. I think, they are brothers and I think they come from the same lineage and they're threatened in the same way that uh, Gumi and Kitty are. And I think they, they meet the same uncertain, but not very good, likely uh, fate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's this, it's this lineage and these people are all kind of wiped out at the same time. Um, But it is, I, I, thought that it was also really really sweet the relationship he had with them um the, the care he kind of has for them uh it it makes the movie really really human ironically enough i kind of thought it was funny how you know like as a as a person with a dog it kind of reminded me of how i would treat my dog but mm-hmm. there is actually a dog there and it seems kind of different like yeah the dog might live in the house and everything but i think the sheep and the Rams are really the uh, the the pet of choice. That's a work dog too. That's why, because it's used for herding the sheep, not for just uh, having as enjoyment as a pet. Right, right. Yeah, and anybody could have a dog, right? It's only certain people can can raise these sheep, right, and, and partake in that. You know, like the the life is sheep <laughs> life is a ram you know it, it's that kind of thing um it's it's really lovely it's a really kind of lovely uh, quick peek into this this little culture as real as it is right who knows how realistic this is but it's still it still peeks into a culture in the way that you can imagine 
uh, an outsider would peek into a culture or how you could document what a, a culture is like in one of these kind of remote and small places. Okay, I have, no, I have something to say. The Ram's name was Garper. It was Garper? I have Gaspar in you, every footnote. I'm looking in every, in, the on IMGB. I'm looking at the full cast and crew. <laughs> and there is the a sheep. Garper the Ram. The full cast. It was played by the Ram named Vidur Fra Halded Star Didier. <laughs> really? I have, yeah. I had I, um, I, I I need to I need to throw a flag on this play. Okay. Let's we could do that. Who had you you're the only one who had it, right? I think Kevin was close to something like that. Mm. I mean I could, we could give you the points if you're it's the well, saddest way you've ever sure. gotten points, Nick. I also want to make, <laughs> I also want to make sure it's right. Mm -hmm. And that IMDB is not wrong. Wait, so what exactly was the, the question again? What was the name of the Ram? The name of the Ram. The last Ram, right? The one that they're... Yeah, they're, is yeah. his name Garper? Gerper, Garper? Uh, so I'm, I'm re-watching it right now, and he's you know fumbling around in the snow, yelling stuff. G-A-R-P-U-R. -R. No it's S? Garper! G-A-R-P-U-R. P-U-R. Oh, okay. I... I had Gaspar for <laughs> so, so I'd like to point out the only other episode we went back to the videotape to check on something I'm pretty sure was Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon I think this is a, a Kevin Scanlon trope where <laughs> we have to <laughs> confirm our facts <laughs> right, let me see here I'll take it I'll be the I'll be the stickler for accuracy <laughs> well I was just like rereading the subtitles in my brain and I couldn't figure out exactly how to say it, but. I, I was struck by how French Gaspar sounded, and I don't mm -hmm. remember yeah, being a name that sounded French to me. <laughs> All right, yeah, well, we could give you, hand out some more points. All right, so then we'll we'll have points for, for you guys. So we'll have four points for Nick now total, and three points for Kevin. It's time for question four. What medical aid? Do the brothers give to one another? Locked in. I'll lock in. Locked in. Okay. So uh, we had Nick lock in last. So Nick, what do you have? To battle the hypothermia, they use their body heat warmth to heat each other up within the snow cave cavern. Okay. Kevin, what do you have? Uh, so for sure, that's what uh, Kitty does for Gumi. Uh, Gumi also uh, gets Kitty into a hot bathtub, um, again, to try to expel hypothermia, I think, uh, when he's found in a gutter and so forth. Wait, did you want a two-part answer? I, I picked the incident where they helped each other out. Uh, I... It's it's fine so far. Uh, KJ, what do okay. you have? <laughs> yeah, the same. The double hypothermia. One with their body, although I thought Gumi was already dead. Um, and then the other with the bathtub. So mm -hmm. hypothermia, hypothermia. There was also the the funny bit with the bulldozer. I don't know what mechanical device that That's is. That's where but... I was going to yeah. go with if it was multiple things. But I'm yeah. the one where they helped each but other. It, yeah, it's it's. I had the bathtub hypo. You know, the the bathtub and also. The uh, the igloo, let's say, um, but Nick, you get points because it's the <laughs> what the answer was uh, body heat or giving heat to help with hypothermia. That was the point, and they do that in the bathtub, and then later that is mirrored in Kitty doing it for Gumi in in the igloo. It's echoed, you know, that moment is echoed. Um, they both don't deliver each other via tractor to, to the emergency room. I love that scene. Yeah. I love that. That was awesome. Probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah. Him going down the highway with him and he Over just like bridge. drops them off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Certainly, certainly yeah. the moment of levity this, this movie needed, I think. Uh, and the people yeah. like passing by in their cars being like, yeah, I wonder what's in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I brought this question up to talk about, uh, <laughs> never mind levity, to talk about the ending. Um, 
what did we think of that ending? And and I I was very surprised by it. I didn't see that coming, honestly. Those are one of the endings that I'm like, no, no, don't end here. Don't end here. I need a little bit more. And then they end. And it doesn't ruin the movie because it was it was a very good movie. I, I really enjoyed the whole experience. But oh, those ones, they just get you. you. You need to have that answer. I think I would have preferred a, a bit of closure there as well. Uh, I mean, not necessarily like I need to know where they are five years from now or, or whatever. But like, I don't know. I I guess I would have liked to have some hint about whether Gumi was already dead or not. I think he probably was, but I'd like to kind of, I don't know, get some clue there, I think. His chest was moving, though. His chest was moving, at, at least at one point of that whole experience. I certainly didn't notice that, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. That's cool. I guess that's it. That's a hint. Do the video take. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... His eyes are fluttering too, but I think if you're, I mean, he was all night in freezing cold. It doesn't look, it doesn't look promising for, for Mr. Gumi. Um, the, the alternate ending, they, they brought one of the sheep in and they used that to warm themselves up. Kind of like a Luke Han. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it smelled bad <laughs> on the outside. Yeah. I like the ending a lot. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great way to end a movie, especially a movie so bleak, right? You get the, the brothers finally even bleaker. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, it is right. It's really bleak. The brothers finally reconcile at the last possible moment, and that's the end. Yeah, and that's kind of the that's also a sort of the tragic vision or part of tragedy, right? In a tragedy, it's the good is burned out mostly, but the evil is definitely wiped out. And it's kind of like the good has to be burnt out with the evil. And then like a little good is fostered and moves on. You know, you see them like ha Hamlet, right? Like Fordenbras comes at the end after everybody's dead. And he's like, all right, we're going to honor these people. And then we're going to set up a kind of more, more stable Denmark than the, than the one that created this. Um, and so there's a good that can kind of trail on. And it seems to you like the evil that's burned out is the the animosity between the brothers. And like you're saying, KJ, it's the last possible moment. But that's the tragic vision, right? The tragic vision is at the last possible moment, the evil is destroyed. Yeah, just like in Hamlet. Yep. <laughs> well done on that one. I'll take it. Yeah, I've been trying to work it in all episode. I haven't yeah. noticed at all. <laughs> You know what? I'm the one who started this mess, so I, I can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the ambiguity of whether he's dead or not matters less than the definitive healing of the relationship. Right? I think that's what matters. And in the, you know, even if they live, right? Even if Gumi lives, he's going to live for what? Or he's going to go back to what? You know what I mean? There's sort of a, even if he lives, there's a sort of death and life there. And so it seems as if death has come for these people in one form or another. Well, I also would have liked a hint as to if the, if the sheep and, and the, uh, and the ram were going to make it. I mean, I, I feel like probably not in the same way that the brothers are probably not. Um, but I feel like, you know, I feel like there's hope for this, for these brothers, and and in a larger way, hope for this town if the if the ram survives. But if it doesn't, yeah, I kind of kind of feel like yeah, they're they're going to be pretty miserable for pretty much till the end. But don't forget, if the ram and the sheep do survive, they could invalidate everyone else slaughtering all their sheep if they still have scrapey. So based on that, if we're and you guys did a pretty good discussion earlier on this being symbolic to what's happening to this family, these two brothers as opposed, and also all these other, the sheep, then I'm actually inclined to jump to the side of they didn't make it because the times are moving on without them. So it's kind of a interesting dynamic. We want those sheep to live, but really they could just create the same problems when the new herd arrives. And it's not going to be the same. Right, they they can't bring the sheep back. They can never go back to the town with the sheep. Right, the wild will swallow them up. Even if it even if it doesn't kill the sheep, even if they could live there, what they did, what these kind of sheep with this lineage and this history did, 
can't be done anymore. They're done. They're in the wild now. They're out of they're out of the farm. It's more like the planet of the sheeps. Yes. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> 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 do you feel like it do you feel like it's everyone would be better off if the rams didn't make it and do you feel like the town or the brothers would be better off if they didn't make it no no i mean i don't think the rams would be better off if they didn't make it um and i don't think obviously the town would be better off if the brothers die you know it's not well, not not if the brothers die per se, but if this way of life dies, I guess is is more the point. No, it's not. Nobody would be better off, right? It's just there's no there's no villain, so it's not as if there's a person to benefit from this destruction. It's just it's just fate. It's a faded, you know. It's it's kind of man versus fate. No, the 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 villain would be uh, Scrapey, right? Like yeah, do, which is. Do, so like, and those nasty veterinarians yeah. telling them what to do with their <laughs> sheep. But they I think the closest. I think the them. town for sure would be better off if the if the Rams didn't make it, right? Because if, well, oh yeah, from the scrape, the yeah, in two to three years, yeah. But two, they have to wait until and clean they, up everything, mm -hmm. and yeah, if it the, won't be the same because there'll be exterior sheep that mm -hmm. were from off the island mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, you, you're losing. You're still losing something. But if you're gonna say like, if the sheep make it, will people be be better off in, or worse off in town? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It will delay the purchase of new sheep, right, and and possibly cripple that culture further uh, if it isn't already completely. I think the likelihood of of raising sheep in this town uh, suffers dramatically if the if uh, the if the sheep do make it through that that winter. Oh yeah, they can't make it because that they cannot have other sheep come here if those sheep are still alive. Yeah, or being farmed, right? I mean, if the sheep just run into the wilderness and we never see. No, them. even if they're in the wilderness, they could they somehow commingle. Sure. And yeah, I mean, they said, "Listen, you got to clean off every piece of wood, every piece of fencing, every every single thing that they touch." Yeah, there's still a risk having the sheep alive. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying there isn't, but it's still you know the, the 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 we're not making like a utilitarian calculus at the end of the movie it's these these people have lost um everything that gives them meaning right that that's the that's the tragedy even if it's like from a social perspective it's important that we you know make sure that the virus can can get into the population and so these things need to be need to be wiped out um it's still the end of a way of life I think it's an end of a culture, not necessarily a way of life. I think they will be able to get replacement sheep, but they won't be of the Icelandic yeah. heritage, the old ways. Mm -hmm. It may follow a wave of new farming, if you will, but the yeah. old ways have definitely died. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good edit there, Nick, that it's, it's the end of a culture. Right. Um, and we see a lot of elements of this culture, what what they value. I also loved, I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it. That poem they were reading before they give out the sheep awards, before they give out the ram awards. They have like this long Icelandic poem that they all kind of read. And it's clearly everybody knows it and they tip the glass to it. Um, but all of those things are, are are gone at the end of the movie, right? Especially as the people are leaving. If they're, if they're bankrupt, you know, it doesn't matter if you get new sheep in there. Uh, it doesn't seem like a particularly great way to get wool, you know, like a productive way to get wool anyway. Um, but we get a lot of this culture and how these people live together. And that's that's kind of the, you know, it's almost like a tragedy of places. It is as much a tragedy of of the kind of individual. It's time for Movie Rent. Yeah, do you guys think that it's not a tragedy? Like, that was my, my reading of this is it's a, it's a, you know what you might call like a low mimetic tragedy so it's it's a tragedy about like the common person right that's the this term it doesn't matter what the term is it's a tragedy about the kind of common people and it has a kind of um a pretty distinct structure there um, but i don't know did people think it was different or, or uh, of a different genre of a different type of thing i i think that there's there's this sort of notion at the end, for me anyway, of I'm not sure if if it's a redemption tragedy or just a straight up tragedy, mm -hmm. right? It, it could go either way. Like 
okay, well, so yeah, uh, Kitty kind of comes around, right? And maybe the brothers make up sort of, but uh, I don't, my personal feeling is I don't think Gomi is around for that. So I think it's, uh, I think he's making up to somebody that's not there anymore. And that to me would be a, a much more tragic than they, they got to make up before they both died in, in, in the wilderness or whatever. Yeah, that's just a matter of interpretation because I think he was on that last straw of life. So depending on how you read that probably changes your opinion of that last scene because I think I'm on the other end of it where they had that little bit of resolution before. And you guys are actually convincing me as we talk about this that it is before their demise. I wasn't really sure before this episode where I stood. But I think either way, the... I don't think Gumi has any awareness of the fact that they've made up. But well, the one thing is, though, even before the, the igloo, uh, Gumi goes to Kitty to protect the sheep. Now, when that happens, that, that to me is the, the, the point of redemption, is that, um, is that he's able to go to Kitty to, to protect his, his children. Because initially, do you remember his response when uh, Kitty tells him, I know what you have in the cellar, what Gumi first does? Yeah, he thinks he he goes to arm himself, thinking yeah. that Kitty's going to kill them. Yeah, he he get, grabs a gun and gets there, and he's in his chair so long he falls asleep. And when he wakes up, what does he see? He sees Kitty cleaning, right? Kitty's doing yeah. the job he's supposed to. So his response to learning about the sheep isn't that this is a something that he could get revenge. It's let's clean this thing out. Let's clean it up. Let's let's act normal because there's some reason to act normal for. And I think that's the reconciliation. And I think Gumi reconciles when he goes to Kitty and says, they're coming. You need to, you know, can you help me? I think that that to me is the point where we start to see reconciliation as possible. Um, Directly connected to that, it's when they actually start talking to each other. Mm -hmm. There are no other parts earlier in the film where they talk. Once they open that dialogue, boom, I think that's us seeing that some of that 40 years has just dissolved away. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, I think that's what you were saying too, Nick, is that that's the point where reconciliation can happen, you know, that 40 years sort of dissolves. And he's able to loan him a tractor to help him do the cleaning. Um, they have shared purpose. And I think uh, uh, Kitty admires Gumi's willingness or ability or luck, whatever it is, to preserve the sheep. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, that's where you see, I think the most human Kitty, the first time we see Kitty really as a, a something of loveliness in him is when he's like, those are the last sheep of the valley. You know, of course this is important, you know. Of course, this matters. Yeah, he sobers up, right? His yeah. whole, he looks like a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives him a reason to live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, these things are reason, you know, culture, the, the kind of traditions we're all in are, for a lot of us, are reasons to live. You know, um, you take that away from people and they just, you know, they they dissolve. Um, and even the, even the, dissolving of the family, right? The fact that they had no family together anymore for 40 years. Kitty was able to get through that. But once you lose the sheep, you know, everything goes. I got one more joke, if you guys will spare me. It doesn't have anything to do with a, a sheep. Noise. I love when you start by explaining that you have oh, a <laughs> It's going to be a quick one. I don't want people to miss it. Uh, alternate title, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, no. Oh, no. Uh, uh, too soon. Too soon. Uh, I know it was 2015. Uh, <laughs> or Gertrude. Uh, oh my god. Gasper. Gasper. Yeah, we're go- we're calling Gar- him Gasper. He's now a friendly ghost. <laughs> I'd like to congratulate myself in the most humble way possible for winning this episode. I I don't take these wins lightly. Uh, so. Uh, Yay. Yeah. All right, Nick. Yay. Yay. <laughs> wow. You did it. Praise me, please. <laughs> <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, talkingpicturestrivia.com. 
We are extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Do you think you could make a career out of raising sheep? Why or why not? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Kevin and KJ, for joining us today. Thanks for having me back, guys. I'll, uh, I might be back for a little bit here. We'll see how this goes. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun. Appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. And the B-sides are finally back. We have a few out. I'll be doing one for this episode. So tune into Talking Pictures Trivia B-side. And you can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time for Talking Trivia Trivia, where we take a break from looking at just one movie and do actual movie trivia from a variety of films. Stay tuned for a sample trivia question. Ding, 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 ding. All of the questions in round two will pertain to 2004's Disney The Incredibles. Edna E. Mode is a super suit specialist. What is the one thing she will not do? What is the one? I think there's a question. There's more to the question. That's not fair. What was the one thing she I, will not do? How I, am I supposed to know? <laughs> it definitely I, sounds like the end of a question. <laughs> there's two parts to this question. Fine. Well, we'll throw it up to chance. Go, go, Ed, go. Uh, Let's just keep going. Keep going, keep going. I'm, I apologize. I apologize. Edna E. Mode is a super suit specialist. What is the one thing she will not do? What is the one thing she will not include with a super suit? <laughs> I feel like I have to be fair and let Pat buzz in first on that one. It's... Pat, I know you've been trying very hard here. What is it? No, it's not fair because you're right. I already knew that it was not the end of the quest. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, technically, Kevin. Pat did buzz in too early. Wait, I you, did. you knew it was the end of the question? What, I knew it was the end of the question there? because I still buzzed in too early. He interrupted that. me. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I still knew that it was not. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. No, I'll I'll take it then. Yeah, sure. Uh, capes. She won't do a cape. Capes, darling. I don't do capes. I actually remember that. Oh, I must have seen this movie. I remember <laughs> the scene. The, but yeah. the cape, like, gets caught in a like it was a past person, right? And the cape got caught in a well, the cape, Yeah, the cape jet engine. I think. Common things that jet yeah, engine. Yeah, yeah. Cotton things. Yeah. Mm-hmm.